One of the biggest stigmas that we faced time and time again was that people would think, oh, you're a performer, you do this because you love it. And it's not really a real business, which is so not true, obviously. But I think sometimes people approach entertainment that way. Like mm -hmm. that's why mm -hmm. those articles are written, like yep. how to ask your entertainment to perform for free because they love performing. Why would they want money? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous really, but there are these preconceived notions of what it means to be an artist and what it means to perform in the U.S. in particular. But everything that you can do to establish that you are a business kind of helps create more boundaries with the people who are purchasing from mm -hmm. you and it helps them have a higher level of respect for you too. Being a circus boss is all about being confident on and off stage. It's about you living more of those powerful moments when time stands still and your audience is captivated and connected and everything feels right in the world. Welcome to the Circus Boss Podcast. This is the space where we talk about all things business and marketing related to circus, so you can make those big dreams happen. We're your co-hosts, Brock and Eileen, and we help circus performers and producers manage your business with ease so you can spend more time on the flying trapeze. So if you're a circus boss that's ready for more, hit subscribe and join us every week. Your audience awaits. In today's episode, we're talking about negotiating rates, which can be a really controversial hot button topic, but we're going to break it down for you a little bit. And hopefully we'll all gain some insight by the time this podcast reaches its conclusion. Who knows? Maybe you'll have more questions <laughs> than when it started. But this episode is primarily for you if you are in a situation where you are booking events directly with the client. So let's say you're a performer or you're a company and you're dealing with clients or event planners. This is for you. And this is applicable basically any time or any place where you are the person that's setting your rates. This is really who this conversation is geared towards. And like you mentioned that this is a hot button topic or controversial. And it's funny because I didn't really know that it was a controversial topic. But when we started researching and talking with performers and talking with companies and doing research on this topic, we realized this is a really personal stance. People either negotiate or they don't. And it's just kind of, they negotiate, I guess, when you go shopping, they negotiate rates all the time. And therefore, then they feel that negotiating with their business or their services is completely normal. Whereas I feel the other way. Spoiler alert. <laughs> We're going to talk about why we don't advocate for negotiating rates. But I didn't realize how personal it was. We'll get into some other areas of why you might see somebody negotiating. But the reason that we wanted to do this episode is because I just honestly get concerned about performers being bullied or taken advantage of because this is your passion or your self-expression. And some people might think it's your hobby. And I just imagine, you know, a performer or even a company owner on a phone and somebody's questioning your price and trying to haggle it and bring it down just because they're trying to save a buck. And like you might feel that you're supposed to and you might feel that you have to negotiate your rates. And so I just want to say you don't have to. 
It's a personal preference if you want to. It's if it's part of your business model. But again, like I, I'm really passionate about not doing it. And so if you're in that camp where you don't know if you want to or you don't know if you should, that's what we're doing this. So this episode is for you. If you don't know if you should be negotiating or you don't want to, but you feel like you have to, because also I want you to know that not everybody negotiates their rates, you know? So if you're really not sure if you should or not, look at some of the other vendors in in the events or the gigs or the type of work you're doing. Is the venue negotiating their rate? Is this the AV provider negotiating their rate? Is the stage, you know, is the decor company, is, is the caterer, like depending on what type of work you're doing, there's different types of vendors, of course, but are they negotiating their rates too? It's good to know that before you feel like if you should or you have to. So this really comes from a place of me being concerned. I don't want anyone to feel backed into a corner or feel like they have to negotiate their rates. And I fell in the same camp that you did where I didn't really realize how much information was out there and how varied the opinions were. Because I, I come from a similar place that you do, where I didn't, I, I'm not really a negotiator. I'm not good at that. I don't really enjoy that. Um, so it, it often doesn't occur to me to negotiate just in my general day-to-day life. But I'm really glad that we're talking about it because as I started to see all these different, you know, articles that you mentioned and things that you were looking at, it did become really apparent that people have advice all over the map. Yeah, for every single article that said don't negotiate, there was an article that said why you should negotiate. And that's why I'm saying it's really personal because also with, you know, I don't negotiate when I'm a purchaser. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking for discounts. I'm not asking for favors. I'm not asking for somebody to bring their price down because part of it is because I honor the value of the person I'm purchasing from. And I feel like paying what they ask for is a a form of respect Mm. too. But again, it's really personal and that's just how I feel. Yeah, I mean, I expect that there's a wide range of where people fall on this negotiating scale. So wherever you fall on that, that's okay. We're hoping we can give you a little bit more insight, some different things to think about. What we're going to talk about today is why negotiating happens and why negotiating your rates might hurt you in the long run. We're going to dive into that too and share some of our experiences And then we're also going to share some things that worked for us with how we were able to negotiate without lowering our rates. So if maybe negotiating is uncomfortable for you, this will really be helpful for you. And and maybe if you negotiate regularly, we might hopefully give you a few tips that shape the way that you do things a little differently. Well, that's important. You mentioned how to negotiate without lowering your rates. Like you can meet someone, you can negotiate with someone without lowering your pricing. So stick around and hear our ideas on that. But I think it's important to start with, well, why does negotiating happen? Mm-hmm. We talked about it's personal. Some people, it's just how to, how they purchase everything in life. So of course, if they're hiring entertainment, they're going to try to negotiate that as well. Part of it could be just cultural expectations. What's What are the norms in business? What are the norms in purchasing, you know, patterns and habits in different places? We worked a lot of Indian weddings. We had a lot of Russian clients and they actually told us that it was normal. They were used to negotiating. It was just customary, mm-hmm. right? So that might be one thing to consider is that somebody might need to be negotiating because it's just a cultural norm. It also might be, like we said, a personal preference. Somebody's just always a haggler. But sometimes it's also because people are working on a tight budget. That's true. 
And this is where I get a little passionate about it or maybe frustrated is the right word Mm -hmm. is because I, I see that when someone is operating with a tight budget, then they tend to go towards the individuals or the artists to save a buck to rein in that budget versus the venue or the caterer or the DJ or the the lighting company or the decor or the, you know, these larger like entities or something. It might feel easier to go save a buck on a person I hadn't or an artist. I had that before. Yeah. Well, it it's really common. I mean, I've seen articles. Right. I've seen articles for event planners and people doing their wedding, like tips on how to save money. And so many of them talk about negotiating your rates or, you know, bringing your budget down with your entertainment. And every time I read that, I'm like fuming. I'm like, but that's the most memorable part of the event. People Mm -hmm. don't walk away and say, oh, my God, the couch was amazing. Oh, my God, the scallops (laughs) like were to die for. Yeah, maybe for like the next 24 hours, they remember the scallops. But the next six months, they remember the entertainment. Our wedding. Mm. Right. Brock and I got married. We had a pirate mermaid themed wedding. But even our wedding, we experienced this firsthand where people years after the wedding would talk about the entertainment more than they would talk about the food, the venue, the couch. Right. You know, so why are they trying to save a buck on the most memorable part? Sorry, that's just me trying to boost your your ego and your morale there a little bit. Get on your soapbox, girl. Yeah. But there's one more like passionate area soapbox talk too that I have to say is that I know this from firsthand. Sometimes, let's say it's an event planner and they're managing a larger budget. Sometimes, now all event planners charge differently, but some of them are working with a, an overall budget And if they can save money in one area, that means it's a higher profit for them. So they're Mm. personally invested in keeping your price down so that they make a higher profit. And sometimes they try to say that the client can't afford it. So they try to put it on the fact that a client doesn't have enough budget and they're trying to like help their client out when in actuality, the money that they save on you goes into their pockets. So it doesn't happen all the time. But I want you to know it does happen. I've seen it firsthand. Wow. The last reason I think that people negotiate is they want to feel special. Mm. And this is where we'll talk about later how you can actually use that to your advantage without having to lower the price. There are other ways you can make someone feel special or that you're meeting them halfway. But I think that's one of the reasons negotiating happens is like they don't want to feel like I don't have to pay the price that everyone else pays. You know, maybe they know you, maybe they know someone that knows you, maybe they just want to feel like they're in your inner circle or that they're they're different. They're not a big company, they're an individual. They they need help or they, you know. So it's that idea of just feeling special. So those are some of the reasons. Those are all really great examples and you know, I had never really thought about the few times <laughs> that I've negotiated. It has been for a variety of different reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever really thought about it, all the different ways that negotiating happens. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to know where it comes from. So that helps you in preparing on how to respond. Exactly. And I think that if you're not aware of how negotiating can affect you, if, if you're not a negotiator and you're on the service provider side of things, it can really hurt you in the long run if you're not kind of like thinking down the road about negotiating, especially if you're not used to doing it. So that's what we're going to dive into next. And for us, one of the biggest stigmas that we faced time and time again was that people would think, oh, you're a performer. You do this because you love it. And it's not really a real business. 
which is so not true, obviously. But I think sometimes people approach entertainment that way. Like, Mm -hmm, that's why mm -hmm. those articles are written, like how to ask your entertainment to perform for free. Because they love performing. Why would they want money? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. But there are these preconceived notions of what it means to be an artist and what it means to perform in the U.S. in particular. But... Everything that you can do to establish that you are a business kind of helps create more boundaries with the people who are purchasing from Mm -hmm. you, and it helps them have a higher level of respect for you, too. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we talk about a lot is know your numbers, know your market, know your value, and that just helps give you confidence because you know all of the pieces of why your numbers are the way that they are you know more about the market and you understand what makes you unique. So once you understand those pieces, you get more confidence overall and you can stand more firm. You can be proud of the rates that you have and find other ways to meet people halfway without having to lower your rates all the time. Yeah. And I just, you know, that stigma that, you know, this isn't really a business. This is your art. You do it because you love it. The more that you allow people to negotiate your rates down in in our opinion, it reaffirms that assumption in their mind that like there aren't actual hard numbers behind what we do. There isn't an actual market rate. We have to represent and show that value. And so for us, maybe I should say for me, as I'm speaking personally right now, when you're negotiating your rates. For me, it devalues that. Mm. So having solid rates that present yourself like a business help to dispel that myth that, oh, this is just for funsies. I do have to say, a lot of times I'm telling you these tips about like, oh, this event planner is trying to take advantage of you or this client is trying to take advantage of you. And like, I'm not saying the clients or the event planners or anyone is like the bad guy or the bad person, right? Because we're all about relationships. And I'm just trying to help people be on the lookout for somebody that might be trying to take advantage of them. But honestly, these are all people just like we're people. And at the end of the day, we view every single gig, every single event really as the beginning of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the numbers and the statistics have proven it takes more marketing effort and time and money to get new clients than it does to keep existing clients. Right. And so this is yet another area of why it can be a slippery slope to negotiate your rate, because if you want to have a repeat client and they've negotiated you down one time, what if they try to negotiate you down next time? You would want to make sure that you're working at your rates that cover your numbers and your market and your value every single time you work. So you may think, oh, I'm just going to make an exception this one time to do this one job. But then you're kind of setting a precedent. Well, and then there's that whole 80-20 rule. Oh, how does it go? You know, I've actually seen this used in so many ways, but they say 20% of your clients bring you 80% of your income. That's it. So that's one way to say, like, really focus on your high-performing clients, your clients where you do a lot of work with, and there's going to be a whole other 80% that you spend a lot of time with that don't bring you as much value. Right. So the goal is to keep the existing clients that value you Mm -hmm. and that you enjoy working with, but you want them to be paying you at a rate that's your rate you know you don't want to discount or you don't want to negotiate that down so much that now those awesome people like you're really not able to do this sustainably 
to continue to provide them a service. Right. Well, because one of the places when you're planning an event budget, the first place you look is last year's event budget. So again, like if you've backed yourself into a corner by lowering your rates, like how are you going to grow them and expand them? And I know I've heard people say like, oh, I come in really high, so then I could lower it. But we found that relationships start from trust and transparency and consistency. And it just, it can make things easier if they know what your rates are. Because then they can call you back for future events. They already have that number in the budget. Also, they'll know how to scale up and down. Because another thing that happens is as the guest count changes, the overall budget may change. And they like might end up having some more money right towards the end of an event. So if they know your set rates, we're big advocates of having a la carte pricing. They can be like, hey, I just got an extra thousand dollars. Like, let me add one of these or let me add some extra sets onto this performer. And if they don't know your pricing, if it was all just kind of like negotiated conversational, then that's it. Your price was your price. They might not be able to give you that extra money because they don't really know your cost in the first place. So they'll put it somewhere else where they do know the the set numbers and what mm -hmm. that dollar amount that they have left over translates into. And th yeah, you're so right. We've literally had people call us up and say, Oh, thank you so much for the proposal. I want to add more. And yep. you're like, wow, okay, awesome. And so if you have those set rates, that really helps them plug and play. I realize we're kind of getting into like pricing strategies now. So no. maybe we should do more. You know, there's this is such a bigger conversation on pricing strategies. So I don't know if pricing strategies interest you, maybe hit us up on Instagram. Let us know. We can do some more work on that because that that's a whole episode, a whole lesson, like there's a lot with pricing strategies, but we're advocates. So you know where we stand. We're advocates of having a la carte pricing. You can use those pricing to build packages for people. The reason we advocate for that is because that's what a lot of other vendors do. You hire a caterer, you hire a decor company, a rental company, a venue. Everyone just has their list of this is how much things cost. And it just, it makes you in comparison, look like another business, just like all the other vendors, even staging companies, AV providers. There's, you know, here's the hourly rate and here's the rate for all the equipment to do the job. It's really clear. It is. And there's one word that you just hit on a, a little bit ago that I think is important. And that was transparency. Mm -hmm. Because another thing that can happen if you negotiate rates is that clients can think that you're just making up a number to fit oh, their budget. Right, right. And we've actually heard people talk about this. You know, for us, we ran our company in Seattle and Microsoft is based right outside of Seattle. And we would hear a lot of people in the event industry talk about like in the 90s when Microsoft was really growing a bit more and they were like the client to have. There was this talk of like the Microsoft price. Oh, right. <laughs> and I don't really know if, if vendors, we never got a clear answer if vendors actually had a Microsoft price. I think in general, they didn't. I think their price was just their price. But apparently there were people at Microsoft who were afraid that these vendors were just inflating their budgets because they knew that Microsoft had money and could pay for it. That was in the 90s, but then I even have heard this like recently, just last week on a, a podcast with a bunch of event planners and event vendors talking about clients and how willing their clients were to talk about budgets. And they were even talking about this too, that there's still this 
fear with some clients that they're afraid if they tell you a budget number that magically whatever you offer is going to be price. that price. Right, right, right. You know, and, and that's just sad because I think that that can lead to misinformation and incorrect assumptions. Like when and mistrust, like that's people start to not trust your pricing and not trust the value of what you're saying. Right. And if a client is holding back those details from you, it makes it hard to deliver the best service to them. I think that you can alleviate a lot of fear and you can build trust by being really transparent with your rates so clients know what they're getting. Right, because we used to have event planners that were trying to plan an event at Microsoft and they would be super secretive. Mm -hmm. They would like, they couldn't tell you who the client was or where it was or like all these details that you need to provide your best service or your best recommendations of what would be the best act or the best, you know, but they were being like super secretive still. Today, to this day, still being secretive because they thought that if you said Microsoft, they're going to get an inflated rate. Right. Which I just don't think that was true. But I guess we'll have to time travel back to the 90s and ask. <laughs> I don't know. But um, you know, there's another point with all of this. Just back to our, our point of like why negotiating rates might actually hurt you in the long run is something that we ran into time and time again is that people value what they pay for. It's so true. And there were times that we lowered our rates to like help somebody out. Maybe they were new or maybe it was like a, an industry thing or we did it when I was still learning. And what I learned, though, in doing that is because I thought, well, if I'm helping them out by giving them a lower rate, then they're going to really look out for us and really take care of us. And the opposite happened. Right. Sometimes when I lowered a rate, it created this relationship where the client thought that they could get anything that they asked for. So it actually created a more demanding client because they thought, oh, they came in, they negotiated me down. It set up this weird dynamic that then they became my most demanding client where I thought it was going to be the opposite, that they're going to be super appreciative because I, you know, mm -hmm. broke them a deal. And the thing too is if you are negotiating your rates, if you're, if you're lowering your price, then that their, their expectations don't lower they're still going to expect the champagne, even though they're bringing you the beer budget, right? <laughs> so be clear with that and be aware of that. Like negotiating your rates doesn't change their expectations. Sometimes it creates a more demanding client. And sometimes because people value what they pay for, they might not take care of you because we thought, oh, they'll really like take care of us. And we had to fight to get our meals. We had to fight to get our dressing room, like basic hospitality writer and basic tech writers, like wrangling to make sure we actually got our rehearsal and that we actually had light on the performer. And I really naively thought that by giving someone a deal that it would make all of these things easier, that they would really take care of us. And I'm telling you, it happened so many times. It was like clockwork that I finally realized that when you work for less they care about you less. Mm. And if you've experienced the opposite, you are lucky <laughs> because I just experienced it time and time again. So that's, in my opinion, another reason not to negotiate your rates because they're going to respect you more and value you more. Yeah, that's just such a great point And it really sucks. I don't know a better word to use when that happens. Well, not to mention Sometimes if you negotiate your rates past a point that feels comfortable for you, you might end up resenting them. Oh, yes. That can definitely happen. When it wasn't their fault. You were the one that went lower and you might end up having to work so hard and not feel like you got paid enough for it and then outwardly have some level of resentment towards somebody when really it was just a, a bad mistake on your part and you're feeling frustrated with yourself probably because I've been there. 
Yeah, and I have too. And it's just, it's it's disappointing, really, mm-hmm. because the whole reason, you know, one of the things that was big for us was, like you said, building relationships. That was always key. So when you start to feel resentful to a, a right, right. when you resent a client, that just doesn't feel good. You know, it doesn't make work fun. So again, the transparency and authenticity for us were a huge part of what we did. And, you know, negotiating rates often made us feel like we were backed into a corner. Mm -hmm. And that's why we recommend not negotiating rates. But that's not to say that you can't ever negotiate. Mm -hmm. And now we've approached the point in our podcast here where we're going to talk about some things that you can do to negotiate to make your clients feel special without lowering your rates. Right. And I always love to start these topics or these like ideas of, you know, why. So before you dive into how can you respond, just do a little reflection of why are you feeling the urge to lower your rates Mm. when someone asks you? Well, first of all, you know, I'm sure I've done this. And don't be like, oh, yeah, it's a thousand dollars. But if you can't do that, I, I can do this for 800. Oh. You know, like there's the the over apologetic, assuming they won't be able to afford your rates, offering them a negotiation before they've asked that that can happen when you're young and eager. So try to practice, find a friend to practice talking about price if you have to talk about price in a conversation. But anyways, if somebody is asking you about negotiating, something to do first is just like take your eyes off of you. Try to separate you from your services so that Mm. you can really talk about, yes, this is your art and it's self-expression and it's what you do with your physical body. So it seems so personal. But if you're doing event work or gig work, you're selling a service. So talk about it as your service, not my act or my character or my performance. It's, oh, it's the aerial act. Oh, it's the, the roving entertainment. And these are the services that... I provide. So just creating that level of separation, I feel like can help. And it can also help frame it in their mind. You're not the artist person that they can negotiate with or, you know, haggle down. You can also talk about past clients that you've served. So again, it's setting it up of like, oh, you're serving clients. If you use the word client, if you use the word serve, you're framing that business mindset, getting them to think about business. And then also you can talk about past events where people did pay your full price, (laughs) where the client said it was their best event ever. And then I just want you to remember that you are going to make their event amazing. You're actually helping them. You're providing a service to them. They're not helping you by paying you and giving you a chance to perform. You are helping them. So that's just like, before you go into any negotiating, I just want you to be in that mindset of like, separate your personal from your services and remember that you're actually helping them they're they're benefiting from this this is not about you getting a paycheck from something or getting a chance to perform it's mutual right so now that we've got the mindset we do want to negotiate just not lower our price right we do and one thing that really worked for us that I learned from you actually was this idea of having a lower priced offer so like having something in your back pocket if they didn't have the budget for whatever service they ask for that you can say, oh, well, here's this other thing instead. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And some things that would come up for us to give some examples of ways that we use this. If somebody called and they wanted an aerial act and they got the proposal and that was not a price that they could pay to fit that into their event, you know, what else do you have that can still 
meet their goals that can still provide, you know, engagement to the crowd and keep their guests happy. So, you know, maybe it's offering a ground-based roving character Mm -hmm. instead, Mm -hmm. right? And especially if you're um, kind of an independent performer, having your specialized act, but then if you have something else that you can offer that's at a lower value will really help you increase your chance of getting booked because you have some options for them. It's all about options. Yeah, and thinking about what is less work for you. That's where the act Mm. versus the ambient or the roving really comes in handy because that's less rehearsal time for you so that is okay to be at a lower price point. Also, if you're an aerialist and you are doing gig work, you should totally have a ground act. You should totally have something that is more transportable and doesn't have the extra rigging fees. So that's another kind of in between the two is do you have a ground act that you can do? In line with that too, when we would have clients who maybe couldn't afford rigging, one of our popular items as here's another way that you can have aerial was to have our lollipop lira. Mm. So that's another great Mm -hmm. example of just what you said. And maybe it could be that you've also misunderstood their request, like the type of event that Mm. they have, you know, as far as level of service. One thing I know that we wished we had done was to have like a fair or a festival team, like a Mm -hmm. B team. Right, right. So if somebody called and, you know, it wasn't a corporate event, maybe it's more of the family picnic kind of thing and they don't need, you know, the top level of entertainment. They're just looking for something that's a little more low key, but still engaging. That's where you can have a B team where maybe your performers who aren't as experienced, Mm -hmm. or maybe students, if you have a studio, you can still provide them a service, but it's not the same level of service that you would have provided for the corporate event. Yeah. And I think that you know, someone did actually recommend that to me multiple times. And I, I was like resistant. I was like, no, we have a specific level of entertainment that we provide. And I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to confuse anybody with that. And so if you are going to take that strategy, I would recommend that you kind of make sure your marketing is clear on that. So have a separate package, like this is what's included and that's it. Just like when you get the deal on a menu, you know, that's like no substitutions. It's like, this is the lower price, but it means no customization, no no substitutions. It has this many performers. Maybe you have like two offerings or something and, and here's the theme and here's the costumes. So it's less like back and forth coordination time, like find ways that you can offer something that actually does save you time and money as well mm-hmm. because you're going to be offering at a lower rate, not just because it's a different market or a different type of event. It needs to save you money as well. That's true. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah, because there's no point to offering a a lower B-team if it's still going to take you the same amount of effort. You haven't really saved any. So that's that's a great point is with all of these, the level of service that you're providing, like the amount of hours that you put into it is what I mean when I'm saying level of service here should be at a lower level to justify the lower rate. Mm -hmm. And another good example of that, too, might be an educational show, like Mm -hmm. if you get a request from a library or a school like maybe you've got something special that you do for them that again is standard it's easy it doesn't take as much time for you but it's it's a way for you to be able to serve more people Mm -hmm. yeah I'm a big fan of the the lower cost offer well and we also had we did this with our strolling champagne dress because it was something that was super easy and straightforward and it was like wash, rinse, repeat that helped build relationships sometimes that we didn't have to do full on conversations and do conceptual insight visit and create some handcrafted custom experience. But sometimes a client also when they're newer, they're scared of the higher price thing, not just because it, it feels like a higher price thing. 
but because they don't know you yet, or they don't know this type of entertainment yet. And so sometimes when they want to bring the price down, it's also because they just can't justify a new thing that is at a new cost. So if you do have that lower cost offer, it can be something to build a relationship. Now they might just never have a bigger budget and they're just, they just do your simple low, low priced offer forever. But sometimes they might increase every time they hire you, which is actually what happened to us a lot. Now I'm getting again more into like sales strategies. I, I go off on tangents. We're just talking about negotiating rates, but this is how the concept of having that lower priced offer as an answer to somebody that's negotiating can actually lead to more relationships, more sales, more experiences in the longer term. That's true. And that did happen frequently with us. They would have such a great time. Like maybe they'd never really had our type of, you know, circus style entertainment before, but they would hire us. They would have a blast and they would come back next year and say, that was so much fun. What can you do for this? I want more. I got more money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it's totally true. Yes. You're getting negotiating tips plus right, right plus sales <laughs> strategies i go on tangents that's why brock is here to rein me in oh it's all good another strategy too that can help make this a little bit easier is to negotiate services mm. and not rates so this is a little bit related to our last point but this would be just an example of maybe you can cut back on the amount of time you're on site, mm-hmm. or maybe you can cut back on the number of sets that you perform, like reduce the price that way instead of just flat out lowering your rate. And I've heard of people adding things that don't cost extra to them. So uh, I don't know if we did this that much, but you can add in a costume change or you can you know, upgrade certain things to make the person feel special Mm -hmm. for me if I'm gonna do that there needs to be something in it for me too like why would I just add something extra that I'm expecting someone else to pay more for but if they're gonna I don't know somehow be giving me photos or videos or something that there is more value then I might consider things like that but Mm -hmm. just know that's another thing to have in your back pocket if this is a really important client you really really feel like this is going to be worth doing that job, but you don't want to negotiate the rates and they're trying to figure out like, where can you give here? You can always add on something to make them feel special. That's a really good point. Well, another way, I think our final point on different ways to negotiate without actually having to change your pricing or change your rates is to actually offer discounts. And again, I'm a big advocate of like this discount should have, should be tied to something that has value for you, not just like a discount willy nilly. But wait a minute, Um, that's a little confusing to me because if you're discounting, isn't that still negotiating or lowering your rates? Okay, well, it's negotiating because you're trying to meet them. Like I view negotiating as finding a win-win for both parties, Mm -hmm. but it's not lowering your rates because they've seen what your rates are, right? For me, a discount establishes this is how much a thing costs. So if in the future they're budgeting for it again, they know that's how much it would cost. Seeing the actual cost helps them understand the value that they need to be placing on it. And then a discount is saying, I'm going to take a portion of that price off in exchange for something else or because of some other reason. To me, negotiating is when you're like, oh, my price is $1,000. And someone says, well, can you do it for $800? That's not, I see. That to me, that's negotiating or haggling. A discount is like, oh, I can offer you a 10% discount. Does that make sense? Or, I, that, or Yeah, yeah, that helps kind of explain it. It might be semantics, you mm-hmm. know, but I, I can see how the art of negotiating might discount might fall in that. But 
for me, it's because it's setting precedent. I'm a business. These are my rates. You know, you walk into, I don't know, a restaurant. They have a sale. They have a discount. Like having a discount or having a sale is a common business strategy versus walking into Burger King and saying, like, can you give me the Big Mac for a dollar? <laughs> right? Yeah. But you might walk in with a coupon that's like a two for one. Wait, is the Big Mac at Burger King or McDonald's? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. See, well, clearly I don't go to fast food a lot. It's all good. <laughs> I'm fine that whatever that reveals about me. But anyways, sorry, back to discounts. We used to do a few. So we're just going to share the ones that we did. So we had one called the book early discount. And we did that if somebody booked like confirmed with that 50% payment three months in advance of the event or more, we gave them a 10% discount. And the reason that we gave that discount is because it actually had value to us to book early because it gave us more time to prep for the event. And it means we're, we're filling up our schedule ahead of time. It gives us time to, you know, we had to do casting for performers and rehearsals. So it gave us time to do that. Also, if you're ordering anything online or, you know, purchasing anything, then you don't have to worry about rush shipping. And a lot of times we were able to purchase, like we would purchase fabric for making new costumes. We could get it on sale. Because I would wait for every every holiday I knew, oh, you know, I can get a sale on my fabric. So when someone confirmed their event early and gave us that deposit early, that actually was savings to us. So I was fine to give them that discount. We also had another discount that was like an industry discount. So this one that we used for our friends and colleagues in the industry. But we didn't just use it just because somebody was in the industry. We really looked at first, we did some research and some debate on this. Like, is this a good referral network for us? Like, right. Typically venues, because their job is to book events, they're trying to book an event, book their venue every single day of the year if they can. So they're doing high volume. Um, so we tended to do discounts if a venue was like producing an event. The other thing to look at is like, do they have access to the type of client or the type of event that you want to be working? That's important to know your market, know who you want to be working with. And do these people, you know, have access to that type of event or that type of client. Because if they don't, it's not worth giving them an industry discount because the industry is really big and we're all friends, right? Hopefully. Mm -hmm. The other thing with the industry discount too is you can actually choose to wait and see if they book multiple events with you. What do you mean by that? You know, everyone will be like, oh, I I'm going to bring a ton of work to you. Like, Oh, I yeah. Everyone says that, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, we're going to do so many events together. This is just the first of many, like, right? And how do you know if that's an empty promise? You So maybe by the third or the fifth time that you've worked with somebody, then you can bring it up and be like, hey, we really appreciate working with you and we'd love to do more with you and we can offer you a 10% discount. That's just up to you. So if somebody's asking you for that, you can tell them that. Say, hey, you know, we do offer an industry discount for companies that we do more than five events per year with. Right. But you've already predetermined that. That's, that's the right. point. You're just not offering it for whoever. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then another one is marketing discount. So if it's the type of event that you want to have on your website or on your social media and you need these specific photos, because you can get photos and videos from almost every event that you do. So make sure you're in that phase where you actually need it. And, you know, can you offer a marketing discount to get something of value like photos or videos? If you are going that route, please make sure that if the event planner or the client promises that, that you actually talk with the videographer and the photographer and confirm yes. that they're on board and they're okay with that and that you get onto their shot list. 
Well, and because they all have different licensing agreements and ways that they are okay with people, especially other vendors, using their photos. So you mm-hmm. want to be really clear about that beforehand. Well, and because they're, they're looking at who hired them and they're going to be delivering the photos of the person that hired them. So sometimes they might actually take their break. <laughs> they might take their dinner break while you're performing. That's a really good point. Or be in a different room or, you know, so you want to make sure. And I think another good thing to bring up is with all of these discounts, like for us, our book early discount was 10%. Our industry discount was still just 10%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In marketing discount, we we might have done like 20 to 30%, mm-hmm. but we were still getting the majority of our rate. Mm-hmm. So I just want to put that out there for the listeners as well, that these aren't huge sweeping discounts. Mm-hmm. They're just a way to kind of help somebody out a little bit. And the reason why is because, again, we didn't want to do the inflated rate thing mm-hmm. because if I've gotten like greater discounts sometimes, you know, like if I get 30 or 40 percent off of something, I'm like, wow, well, well, why do you even charge that right. if you can afford to discount at 80 percent? Right. Or 50%. Right. You know, then I'm like, how much money are you making off of it when you're not discounting or, you know, it just, it just feels weird to me. But again, I'm I'm not a negotiator and maybe that's their own. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So I think that does it for us for this episode. Did we cover it all? I think we covered it all. Okay. If we didn't, you can let us know. Yeah. If you have more questions, you can totally hit us up and let us know. But just a, a reminder of what we covered negotiating happens for a variety of reasons maybe people on a tight budget where they want a deal or it's customary for them negotiating your rates sometimes can hurt you in the long run because it can set expectations of what your rate or level of service will be like in the future or create those demanding clients or create those demanding clients yes that's one of the toughest And then we've outlined strategies for negotiating without lowering your rates, Mm -hmm. like having a lower priced offer or negotiating services instead of rates or doing a discount off of your standard rate. So there you have it. That's it. Should you negotiate your rates? I think ultimately that's up for everyone to decide for themselves. It is. But hopefully we stated our case of why we didn't. And if you like this, if you found value in our musings, then we would love for you to subscribe and share this with your friends. But even more so, if you love what we're throwing down, we would be honored if you could write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We want to know. We talk about value a lot. What do you value in what we're sharing? So share a review. We would love those shiny five stars. And just tell us what is this podcast helping you with and why are you enjoying it? And if you're not enjoying it, hit us up on Instagram and let us know that too. Do you negotiate your rates? Do you feel adamantly against everything that we've said in this episode? We want this to be a conversation. So hit us up, find us on Instagram, Circus Boss Official, and let's have this conversation because I want to know your point of view too. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll catch you on the next one. We appreciate you.